When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. I'm especially pleased to have as my guest, Deborah Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, a consultancy doing great work for clients across many industries and markets. Deborah understands that people are the heart of business. To deliver on her promise of offering her clients peace of mind, she focuses on utilizing the talents of their teams and elevating them to new levels of performance, setting them up to better serve their clients and enjoy success. I first met Deb when I joined her for a conversation on her podcast, The Drop-In CEO. To say that we hit it off during that podcast is insufficient. We connected in so many ways with our mutual understanding about how successful businesses operate, starting with the CEO. Deb asked great questions about the people part of business, demonstrating a keen understanding of the strategic significance of soft skills, something I speak about constantly. The bonus served up in our conversation was Deb's detailed understanding of the construction industry. Deb's an author, consultant, influencer, and speaker talking with great wisdom and authority about a range of topics related to leadership, including peace of mind, the next tool in the leadership toolbox, reflective leadership, and powerful messaging for influence, just to mention a few. Deb, welcome to the Soft to Steel podcast. Dennis, it is my pleasure to be here. And I started getting a little teary eyed about, you know, the work that you told me that I had done and how it influenced you. But, you know, it's all about just you and I having great conversation and seeing where we can take it and provide value to both of our communities. But again, a pleasure again to have a conversation with you. And thank you for having me as a guest. Oh, you're very welcome. So let's go right to the construction industry piece, because when that came up in our conversation, obviously it just kind of lit a whole other fuse of exciting dialogue back and forth. But as I recall, your husband is a career in project management. Yeah. Did you have a family connection also beyond your husband? Yeah, there's many tentacles to all of this, but I have a great appreciation for the trades. My husband, when I met him, was third generation painting and decorating contractor. So he was the son to be taking over Papa and the grandfather's business. But that over the years, after he did a lot of work there, then he did eventually wind up in construction management, having to deal with all of the different trades. Currently, he works for a company where he helps build fit-ups and stores for a much larger corporation and has to deal with all different genres, generations, people, contractors. It's a very interesting industry. Again, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure because time is money. You got to get those things built. And I also have my daughter's boyfriend. He is also in the trades. And it is tough not only technically to learn your craft, to be able to fix somebody's thing or build something to code, but also being able to not only deal with the apprenticeship, all the people within the trades, as well as customers. There's somebody at the other end having to use that service or whatever it is you're doing. And we lose the appreciation for the trades in the construction industry because we're not necessarily encouraging people to go into it. So I have strong advocacy for the 
the trades, for construction. Our society and economics so depends on it. And if you can help them also make it a little bit easier through the essential skills, the soft skills, and if I can impart a little insight, I'm all there. So I feel fondly about the industry. It's very, very important to our society. Wow. We could stop there and just start playing that over and over again, and I could probably pedal it to just about every trades union, every general contractor, every CM firm is the right kind of story to be telling about the construction industry. So you appreciate it, and I appreciate that, of course, and you know this is where I've lived for well over 30 years. It's still very challenging, the image of the construction industry. It's still viewed as largely a white male-dominated industry. It's still viewed as being very, very tough, not really caring much about people. With the possible you know, emergence of at least some opportunity for caring, and I'd be interested in your comment about this, we all read, really across society, some of the problems and issues associated with things like mental illness, addiction, suicide, the opioid crisis, which there's a great four or five-part dramatization of the whole opioid crisis uh, running on Netflix. It's, uh, just, it came out on Netflix fascinating uh, to hear the story of uh, Purdue Pharma and the family that owned them and how they dealt with uh, all that. But so in the industry, there, there, there is more, more conversation. Societally, there's more conversation around those real human issues that have in some ways at least a, a part of their connection to how people feel that they are being treated in in society, in their workplaces, and by the people that they're involved with every day. What are your thoughts around that? Uh, <laughs> you're hitting home with a story or just a series of stories that I understand. So I will agree with you. There is a lot of inequity, social injustice in our society. But I think it's hard to solve world peace. It's hard to solve these large macro issues. But if we can do it one person at a time, through the construction trades, we are potentially leaving a legacy and making the difference in the lives of others. A lot of people who have come up on hard times and aren't being treated equally in society, I know from the construction trades, they just want to put bread on the table, food on the table for themselves, and maybe somebody else significant. And I know my husband and I know several other contractors, They this construction is maybe an entry point for some of these people looking for a second chance to be able to do honest work for an honest pay and feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, not everybody makes it because sometimes they don't necessarily have all the right behaviors or essential skills to survive, but just know the construction industry is a positive conduit for bringing people from maybe substandard situations to being able to have productive lives. Putting aside any stigmas about the industry being a tough industry, I actually see it providing a very positive service for society. Yeah. And and it goes without saying that the leaders in the construction industry, particularly in the, in the unionized part of the industry, which is still an imp a very important part of it, uh, they have a certain uh, attitude and outlook towards the relationship between uh, their members uh, and the companies that employ them. Uh, they're trying they're trying hard to change. Uh, and the change really revolves around uh, uh, doing two things. One, uh, trying to help to paint the picture uh, that the individuals who are uh, who are out in the field on a day by day basis, like like your son-in-law, working with tools, putting work in place, uh, that they they are professionals doing that work. They're not just carpenters or plumbers 
or whatever that may be, but they are professionals. They, 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 are, they are learning a craft or a skill. Uh, they have to demonstrate uh, competency and Im- improvement and efficiency in utilizing their tools and the, and, the, and the work methods they use. And there's a little bit of conversation and in one particular part of the building trades. I, I'm part of the voice of that conversation around the idea that we, we, we and, and this is an apprenticeship program, both union and non-union. I, I, don't, I don't separate them as being better, better or worse than each other. They're, they're both important as, as, the, as the pathways for individuals to learn the hard skills associated with their jobs. But they're trying to do a better job of, of recognizing and bringing into the conversation the idea of developing the whole person, not just the guy, the, the guy or gal, and we'll talk about that part of it in a second, uh, that is working the tools or running the equipment, but also developing them as, as people uh, that are the kind of people that you want to be around, that you want to work with, you want to work for. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you being part of an organization, people to try to help evolve these skills, because I will tell you that when these tradespeople in construction not only see their work as just work, but also see it as a value-added service and how they're impacting people, they will show up better and better as professionals, even sometimes nicer and kinder than uh, white-collar professionals. I mean, even me, just firsthand experience, I've had to bring people into my home to provide services. They come in clean. They make sure that they clean up after they're done. They keep me completely informed of what they are doing in service. Again, what construction, fixing my kitchen, what have you. And then even the follow-up of like, is there anything else I can do for you? Or I'll check back with you just to make sure things are working. These are so important because again, it's not only builds up the profession of the construction industry versus just a set of hands to build a building, but it is perceived as a value added service. Again, so I so embrace that because the point being is it's not about just this construction job. It's about the next one and the next one, because we're in the business to leave a lasting impression, not just in physical form, but making that mental connection. And that's what will perpetuate the goodness in this industry. Mm -hmm. Wow. Again, So I'm going to send I'm going to send this recording, you know, to to the heads of a lot of the building trades. You said, guys, just cut and paste, use it as you like. It's it's nothing but fabulous thoughts from someone who knows something about our industry, but doesn't live in it all, every day. Uh, and I think one of the things that makes it, in addition to your 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 familial connection with your husband and your son-in-law, one of the things that makes makes you uh, so effective is you, you do understand it. Uh, but what you what your the perspective you're bringing really is about about the fact that these are people that serve their customers that serve the people they work for they, and if they understand that those are the ones that say is there anything else I can do for you uh, you know is there you know do you have any questions um, uh, we apologize for being ten minutes late but traffic got it was a little heavier than we anticipated blah 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 but they do those things in recognition of the fact that the fact that they can do the work. And I say this on the, the higher level when I talk about general contractors and, and, and particularly owners. Uh, owners hire the general contractors that they believe will get the job done on time and budget and safely. Um, and, 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 and that's just kind of the base expectation. What differentiates them, and, it's, and, it, and it is beginning to increase, uh, and, I'm, and I'm glad to say that my voice is, is a little bit of, of, of why it's changing. But what's, what's changing is that they, they are recognizing that they are in a in a business that serves people, 
Uh, and it's and it's not just good enough to be able to do the job. That that just gets you in the door or gets you on the bid list. Uh, it's how you appear and what you say uh, to the individuals making the decision about the, whether you award a contract to you or once awarded, those individuals are going to be responsible on behalf of the owner to be overseeing a project uh, in connection with the general contractor, site supervision, et cetera, et cetera. It's all about how the relationships among and between all those people operate. And that's all about soft skills. Yes. <laughs> and I, I would love to add to that. There's soft skills um, goes in many different directions. Sometimes between customer or end user and a contractor, you can come to an impasse, but it's how you handle those conversations, whether it's in scope or out of scope, is it a change order or, or all of that? It's just knowing how to have one, the interaction with the contractors on the job and also the relationship with the end user or customer is really, really important. We're, construction is wrought with all kinds of conflicts, supplier issues, you know, people not showing up. Yes, there are some bad eggs in there that go, do give construction uh, a challenge. But mm -hmm. knowing that at the end of the day, despite all these challenges, how can we create conversations for respect? And I just want to add in a quick story. My daughter is studying architecture mm -hmm. and my husband brought her on a site, and as my he asked my daughter to QC the work that had been done by an electrician, and she looked at the print and looked at the work that was done and said the things are not placed in the right place. And my husband says, okay, go talk to the electrician. She says, what, me? <laughs> me? <laughs> he says, yeah, you, you've got your data, you've got your facts, go talk to them. And now she... 20, 21 years old, going to a senior person who's barely been doing this for years. And she had the conversation, showed them the specs, showed them where the difference was, and just treated it as factual and courteous. And the person says, you know, you're right. And then she went off and she was semi-traumatized because she'd never done anything like yeah. that before to speak to a senior leader. But at the end of the day, just having constructive conversations, we're just trying to get through and do the right job. He respected her for that, even yeah. though she was younger, female, yeah. and not typical yeah. for the trades. Again, teaching our young people how to yes. be able to have communications with the elder, the senior, the very experienced people, all really important. Um, and it starts at home. <laughs> it yeah. starts with helping your children be able to socialize with adults and then be able to be in a safe environment to be able to communicate when they see something is not right, as well as maybe even taking feedback. So I, I so appreciate the respect and the relationship yeah. of the work you're trying to do in the trades. Yeah. You know, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot to be said for, uh, and again, it's one of the, um, one of the thoughts I have in the one section of my book. Um, yeah. and the thought is this, that common sense is just not that common. Uh, so just, <laughs> and, and that yeah. goes to, again, how, how people, uh, make decisions, uh, with regards to how they approach the people they are doing business with every day. Uh, and and acting acting initially with fear and trepidation uh, and approaching someone who's numbers of years older uh, is hands on in whatever whatever the the issue is like your like your daughter did which I think is phenomenal it's a great story I, uh, I'll use that story uh, because it also says so much about something we need to be uh, increasingly aware of and now I'm going to start to move I'm going to stay with the construction and kind of move on to some other elements of discussion I want to have with you today. But it, it, it addresses the, the very real um, uh, challenge and opportunity associated with understanding and working with different generations. Absolutely. Well, again, it starts at home <laughs> or it starts in those apprenticeship programs. Um, we are all human. We have different perspectives and communication. But I will tell you, we have to respect the gifts that all generations have to offer. Mm 
Maybe my grandparents were very frugal, didn't want to spend a dime on something we have to appreciate. We would call them penny pinchers. We have to accept that. Uh, parents, having gone through World War II, we have to respect their perspective about a hard work. And then the younger generation using technology, we might say, oh, they're disassociated with society. They got their head in their uh, device. But we have to celebrate the fact that they understand how to use platforms and get information much more quickly. I think when we start from a place of not looking at what our differences is, but what makes us common. We're all human. We have different perspectives on society based on when we were brought up, but we all have gifts and talents that we need to take the time to understand and how can we meld them together. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that I, I feel very important. I mean, I've, I have contractors working for me and they are much younger and smarter than me, but I really, really appreciate the value of all the tools that they can bring to me to make my business run much more efficient. Yeah. So important yeah, topic. What, what you know from, again, watching the industry and, and being close to it for such a long time, you know, there was a time when, when, when they adhered to this very simple thought, uh, if, you, if you ain't older than me, you ain't worth nothing. Uh, you know, just, or just do what I tell you to do. Um, you know, don't, don't, I don't, I'm not interested in your ideas. I'm not interested. Just, just do what I tell you to do and we'll get along just fine. So my reaction to that is there's a respect factor, which maybe they've not yet felt, or that is how Mm. they've grown up to obtain respect in the work environment. And we have to understand where that generation may have come from. Other generations should respect. And once we do what we're told, (laughs) because then that's the way to show respect. And I heard you. But then the courage to be able to continue the conversation. Help me to understand why you want to do it that way. I want to learn from you. And then would you be open for me just to share this trick that I found over here that might be a little bit faster? Respect but have the courage to continue the conversation. I think that's one yeah. way we can bridge those, those uh, yeah. generational challenges. Yeah, well said. And the other, the other is uh, on, on the part of the older generation, mm-hmm. uh, not being, not being um, what's the right word, uh, impatient mm-hmm. with that younger generation that may, may respond when they're given a direction in a very firm and direct way, may respond with a, a, a thought like, well, why? Why yes. are we doing it that way? Yeah. Um, because the, the, the answer to the why question may produce uh, a change. And change is, is, you and I know from a, a lot of our broader understanding about people and how people operate, change is very difficult. Um, and, and the older you are, it, 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 it is possible. You know, Carolyn Dweck talks about, uh, you know, fixed mindsets and uh, growth mindsets and says that it, regardless of what age you are, if you, if you want to change things about yourself, you, you can get smarter, you can change your, your character, your personality, you can change a whole bunch of things about yourself, even though you th- you may say, no, 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 I'm, I'm already 70 years old, nothing's changing. I am like rock solid. Not true. And, and, and the only thing that has to come into play to make it possible uh, to change is a recognition that there's a need to or an opportunity to do so and the willingness to put the work in. True, but there'll still be some stubborn people that don't want to change. <laughs> and at the end of the day, we just have to find a way to continue to respect each other, do what we're told, um, or or not try to change other people. But uh, obviously within you know your industry, we want to encourage people to at least understand why yes. people behave a certain way. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's talk about women in the construction industry. Okay. It's uh, it's an it's increasingly being being talked about. There's uh, more and more uh, efforts, organizations, events uh, that uh, spotlight 
the opportunities for women in the industry. Uh, there are pre-apprenticeship programs uh, coming online in many parts of the country. So there's a, there's a, a lot of good stuff happening. Um, but the basic view is that, that it's something in terms of really seeing uh, a change that mirrors not identically, but indicate is, is more in line with the, the reality that over 50% of the, the working population in the United States are women. Uh, yet it's a, a low single digit number of women who are currently uh, working in the construction industry across, uh, across organizations, different types of jobs, hands-on trades jobs, office-related jobs, management roles, et cetera. Um, what are your thoughts about, uh, about, about what that's all about? A few things come to thought, and this is, I am perhaps a little bit biased here, but hey, you invited me onto the show, so I'm going to share my opinion. Absolutely. (laughs) So a couple things is, you know, society and our education system, how we portray the trades and construction versus other pursuits such as white collar education, which served me quite well as an engineering student. I needed it. I did not have any trades or other skills to fall back on. College universities are for some and many. And they have served many well. Mm -hmm. But I think society has done us a bit of a disservice, one, not to advocate so much for the technical trades as they did maybe many years ago in the 60s and 70s. It kind of went by the wayside. I think we need to regenerate all of that excitement and importance, just as you are supporting certain societies and also just encouraging them. Um, I'm sure there is many university programs in, you know, the construction trades. Um, We just have to show that it's an equal footing that we value the minds of all, not just the male figures that go into it. Mm -hmm. But women have a really great thing about critical thinking, seeking to understand, and maybe slightly softer skills (laughs) Mm -hmm. when it comes to approaching challenging situations. But I also ask that we don't judge us, that we don't have as thick a skin because we do have a thick skin Mm -hmm. to weather the changes and challenges of the construction industry, Mm -hmm. just because there may be off color language or, you know, not giving the why we have a thick skin. And so just know that we, if we enter the trades or we're, or construction, we're thinking about it, treat us as equals because we can and will be equals and contribute a lot. Now, I will say one thing is just give this time, and I'm so appreciative that you are supporting it. I went to engineering school. There was maybe 10% female in engineering. We were smart. We were talented. I never felt belittled. I went into engineering, manufacturing uh, in my career. I was probably the only one or two females at the table, (laughs) along with the HR business partner. I think there's a little bit of the mindset of the person, uh, it's tough to get into, but also let's make sure that we you know, set them up for success and also support the confidence of these people. Because just because there's not a lot of us doesn't mean it's not a trade or an area that we should go in. I think just mm-hmm. uh, providing, I'll use the word, the safe environment for us to learn, to be able to speak our voice and be corrected in a professional way. I think you will see a lot more of these um, women uh, in the constructions trades because I think we can provide so much value. But it does start... <laughs> In the education system, it does start at home on where do we drive and advocate for these people and also societies and organizations that are saying, we need you. We appreciate your skills. We want your mind. We want your problem solving skills. That's what the construction industry needs. Yeah. Do you think that, um, do you think that words and, and how they're explained, uh, like diversity and inclusion, uh, are 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 understood are understood enough for people not to think that they're just some kind of uh, you know a, a, a 
a hidden hidden strategy to try to get give people a step up when they may not otherwise need or deserve it. What are your thoughts about words like that and what they mean in society today? It depends. It depends which side, which mindset you're going to take. The principles behind diversity, equity, and inclusion are sound and valuable because there may be circumstances where a voice or independent thought are not being properly represented in a conversation. But I don't necessarily, on my view, my view, which may not be popular, is it's more about diversity of thought versus diversity of physical attributes of a person. Mm. If we really want to make a change in the construction area or any industry, look at the demographics of the thoughts, the problem solving, and the communication skills currently in your C-suite. And look for those gaps and where we're not having effective communication, different views, creativity, then find the people with that. Mm -hmm. That's diversity of thought and diversity of views and innovation. Don't go after the physical attributes because you may be doing a disservice to those people that should be included and at the table. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you're kind of on the fringes of talking about, uh, you mentioned C-suite. So let's Let's talk for a few minutes about leaders. Okay. Um, uh, and it doesn't matter what industry they're in. Uh, but uh, what, what, what are, and as, you, as you look at the landscape today, and you're working with, with leaders all the time, you talk to them in your different uh, communication channels, you're, that's, that's where you live a lot of your effort is around trying to help leaders become better leaders and make their organizations better. Um, what, are, what, are the, what are the qualities, also known as soft skills, uh, if, you were to, if you were to say that there are, are three, four, or five qualities that you think are absolutely essential for a leader to be able to be an effective leader, uh, a respected leader, uh, and a leader that has a true, uh, true, a, a true influence on the people they lead, what are the qualities that you, that you see and appreciate? So I got two right out the bat because I'm thinking of a current client that I'm working for right now. A, a, a key area <laughs> is the courage to ask for feedback. Mm. Ask for feedback on how they're being perceived or how their behavior is impacting the organization. Because we have a playbook as a C-suite leader that has worked for us in the past, and so we repeat that playbook. But sometimes the situation changes, the landscape changes for which their current behavior is no longer serving and is actually detrimental. So in this particular situation, the C-suite leader had a particular way of acting, very, very focused, very demanding, boom, 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 and it would disrupt the rest of the organization. Now, that works in certain circles, but when they were open to feedback— and a member of the team shared exactly what the impact of their behavior was, they actually had an eye-opening experience. They had no idea what the impact there was. So being open to feedback is a key skill, which part two of that is then listening, because you can get feedback and then rationalize it all over the place, but truly listening to the intent, maybe not necessarily the words of what are you doing <laughs> that may be detrimental. True listening means you're internalizing it and reframing what you heard. So that shows people respect that you've been actually listening to them. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I would say self-reflection, because at the end of the day, the buck stops with them. Their behavior, <laughs> if they decide to act on the feedback and truly listen to what their people are saying and self-reflect, they too, during difficult times, can regain their confidence in being a leader 
and being able to lead maybe differently with their people because they can't always do what they did before. So open to feedback, listening, and being self-reflective. Wow. If you don't have that, you're gonna, it's going to be your demise because the strengths that you had before that got you to a certain place, sometimes life hits you in the face and you have mm-hmm. to stop and listen mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. change. Yeah. Uh, that's, those are terrific. Really terrific. Um, I'm sorry, you got me in a zone because it's, it's, I, I see these things and I, I see these, I, I love working for C-suite leaders and, and I'll do what they ask me to do, but at certain junctures, I see them get stuck. I see them get frustrated and I start asking them questions and then they too, they're not infallible. Mm-hmm. They too get stuck. They hit a wall and they do need somebody, maybe even yourself to say, well, let's just look at the skills that you have, the soft skills, what has served you, what's no longer serving you. And maybe you want to make a change. So I really value the work that you do because even the best need sometimes to change. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I agree with all three of those fully. And I think of the three, they're all powerful this ability to look at oneself and think and feel about what's going on with you at a point in time or around a particular situation or an occasion or whatever it may be, just the ability to do that honestly. And there's probably a key ingredient. Some people can say, I am totally self-aware. You know, I'm always reflecting on everything I do. And you're just sitting under your breath. You're saying bullshit, 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 because it makes you vulnerable to be honest. And particularly to share it with another human being. If you're the CEO, there's nobody above you. There may be people at your side, and there's certainly people below you. And it's been said a million times how lonely it is at the top. So, your thoughts? And that's why I am the drop-in CEO. The drop-in CEO. Because while I may not necessarily drop in as the CEO, I become a partner to that CEO or C-suite leader because I become that person. If they don't already have a board of advisors, a mentor, or a support system, or a coach, I can be that person to just hear them where they're frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I may not have all the answers, but just getting a different perspective sometimes unlocks potential. So it is lonely. I will tell you, I'm lonely. I'm the head of my organization and I'm even asking people like you, you know, what should I change? Ultimately, even if you have somebody to talk to, if after being lonely, the last part is being able to take action because you can have all the self-reflection in the world and all the feedback. And then unless you have some kind of accountability to start changing that behavior and building that new muscle and not pulling the trigger and firing off that email until you had a chance to talk to your staff and find out what's really going on, nothing's changed and it's wasted. So. So yeah. taking action. Yeah, good <laughs> thoughts. So my last question or topic for us to finish up with a couple of minutes is uh, something that I talk about a lot. And I mentioned it at the opening of this conversation. And that is I talk about love and the role that love plays in business and in life. What are your thoughts about the role that love plays and what you do and what other people do in, in business and in life? What are your thoughts? I'm just going to share a transformative experience that I recently had with a client. I had a very short time with the client. It was about one month and I had a certain mission to accomplish. I couldn't technically make a change in the circumstances, but I had to make sure that the team of people that reported to me were supported. And in that process, I had to also listen to their stories. Like maybe they look like they were having an off day. Maybe they're overloaded with work. I said, you know, talk to me a little bit. And I had one particular individual tell me about a great misfortune in her life, having lost a child and also still being amidst 
the court system to try to resolve an unfortunate circumstances that happened to their child. And in that process, I listened deeply to their story and I felt so connected to that person, knowing that the best thing I could do is I couldn't solve their personal loss, but all I could do was listen and care. And I got tears in my eyes. And even when I left, I asked the person if they were going to be okay. I think that's love. Mm-hmm. Deep caring, listening, not even worrying about the tactical work, but connecting with the human and personally taking on their feelings, that connection, that understanding and feeling what they feel, whether it's a spouse, partner, a coworker, that's love. Mm-hmm. Even if you can't or shouldn't, you still just want to hug that person because you mm-hmm. want to connect with humanity. I think leaders need to understand and take that time yeah. for those deeper connections and truly understand the human that they're interfacing with. That's love. That's caring. That's just humanity. Yeah. Beautiful. And that's, as they say in the big leagues, is the last word. Deb, this conversation has been way too short. I could listen to you for hours. And yes, it is your voice. And you know, in communication, there are three elements. It's what you say, how you say it, and then all the visual nonverbal stuff that's going on. You've got the whole thing going on. you got the whole thing. Very easy to listen to. I'm sure that our audience is going to want to listen to this particular conversation over and over again. And you know a lot about the construction industry, much more than maybe you can give yourself credit for. So how you approached all that was just terrific. Thank you so much for your time. It was my pleasure, Dennis. Thank you so much and wish you much success. And you too. Take care. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Softest Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Softest Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.